This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, I got an exciting show for you today. I have someone who read One Rental at a Time, follows the YouTube channel, successfully has built a small portfolio of seven houses and they are interested in going bigger. So like I always do, I say, hey, I'll help you answer those questions, but we have to record it so I can help them and then hopefully help all of you. So let's welcome Lindsay to the show. How you doing, Lindsay? Good, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on, Michael. Excellent. Well, Lindsay, do me a favor, uh, introduce you know who you are, where you are in the country, your husband, right? Because it is a team that is doing this and uh, then we'll get started. Sounds good. Um, so, so me and my husband, uh, we live in uh, New York, in Manhattan. And uh, about a couple of years ago, I started, uh, I started getting interested in real estate and, uh, and investing in general. And, um, and then I, I came up with the idea about a year ago uh, to buy uh, our first single family house. And, um, and my husband was at first not 100% on board, but then uh, within, within a really short period of time, um, got, uh, got fully on board. And so we're really in this together. We, uh, over the past year, we bought an additional six, uh, well, we bought six single family homes and one duplex um, in markets uh, kind of all over the country. And, uh, you know, up until now, we've used Roofstock to, uh, to, to find our homes. Um, we've been doing a lot of research, been looking, at, you know, in a couple of markets uh, in a little bit more depth. Uh, and we'd like to we'd like to we'd like to scale up um, and definitely buy more properties. Um, whether whether that's in the single family space or the multifamily space, we're not we're not totally sure. We've got uh, we've got a plan um, so that in the next let's say eight years, uh, we want to be uh, you know much more financially uh, independent or free um, and uh, and have uh, you know have a have a portfolio of at least at least fifty houses. Um, and and I guess I guess you know my question for you, Michael, is you know, A, how can we get into the multifamily space? And then B, we, we kind of want to supercharge our plan. Um, I feel like, you know, we want to graduate from, from roof stock, even though there are some, there are some good deals, uh, definitely, you know, cash flowing properties there, but, um, but we want to, uh, you know, we, we want to, we want to get bigger and, um, you know, kind of just do more with what we have. Yeah. So there's, so first off, congratulations, right? Um, you know, from concept to execution, uh, to get to uh, eight units, uh, is is an accomplishment. So you know, give yourself a little bit. You know, I know there's interest in supercharging, but realize you've gotten to a place that many interested parties never get to. So you know, ce- celebrate where you are at, at least a little bit. But but I understand the question. Uh, so. That was really our story, right? So if you've read our book, Olivia and I, we got to basically the same count, six houses and a duplex. It's the exact same count, but ours were all in the same city, right? That's one small difference. 
Uh, ours were all found on the MLS. Yours were found on Roofstock, right? Both publicly available sites makes total sense. So what I would tell you to do is if you're going to look at multifamily, right? And I'm talking multifamily commercial. So five units and above. I consider fourplexes residential based on the loans. Um, I would tell you, you've probably got three to six months of just learning to do because it is a different ballgame. Uh, one of my biggest mistakes is I used, for example, the math to compare a single family home to comparing a multifamily. And it's just different. Right? I don't know about your houses, but my houses, you know, they turn about once every eight years, but apartments turn every two years. Uh, a house turn might be five grand and apartment turn is two grand, right? So, so there, there's variances. Uh, I, I see houses do great in a recession, but do poorly or, or and apartments do poorly in a recession, right? Those people right on the margin lose their jobs. So the first thing when I read your email is what I thought, don't know if it's true, but what I thought is, oh no, another Grant Cardone person reaching out. And I say that sort of in jest, right? Because he says bigger is better, never buy a home. You know, uh, the most important number is unit count. And I think he's wrong. Um, you can go broke having thousands of units. So that was the first thing I saw when I saw your email. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, sure. So, so I, you know, uh, we're, we're definitely, uh, we're definitely, I'm definitely like a, a dreamer and a, sure. and a concept person that way. Um, however, uh, when it, when it comes down to it, uh, the, the main factor that we're considering with these homes, I mean, uh, you know, with it includes additional analysis includes, you know, lots of things, but the bottom line is cash flow. um, is, you know, that's, that's, that's the most important thing. That's, that's the most practical thing for us. Cool. We, we want to be able to replace our income. And so, you know, you can't, I, I don't want to do that exclusively on appreciation or, you know, number of houses that doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. It's the, it's the awesome. cash flow. Yeah. And then the other thing I would tell you, so that's good. I just wanted to get that off my chest because I get, I don't know, a dozen emails like that a week. You know, it could be a nice email like yours or a nasty email that basically says, Michael, you're an idiot. Why buy houses when I can buy a 50 or 100 unit apartment? I'm like, dude, you, you just don't know what you're talking about. Right? You heard Grant Cardone say bigger is better. And you just, you took them like gospel. That's, it's not true. So the other thing I would tell you to do what I look at, and again, this is what I teach my students all the time is I can compare a small house, like a 560 square foot, one bedroom, one bath house built in the 50s against a 20 unit apartment. And I only talk about those numbers because I bought both of them, right? I've never bought anything bigger than 20. And I always stay in my lane. But the beauty of the spreadsheet that I use is it's not necessarily cash flow because obviously cash flow in a 20 unit building will be bigger, right? There's just hopefully more of it. But what I want is the next number. I want yield. And that's the number that not enough people are talking about. Because frankly, in today's market, 2020 in Fresno, California, a 560 square foot house will yield more than an apartment building because too many people are being Grant Cardone, which not to throw vocabulary at you, but they've taken seven and a half cap buildings down to five and a half. They've squeezed cash flow, raising prices. And now there's really no margin of safety. And if we're going to go into a recession, like I think we are a double dip recession, I know from firsthand experience that those can be more risky. 
So what I would tell you to do is it's not cash flow. It's a subtle tweak, but it's important. You need to get, you need to figure out what the yield is on your investment because it's possible a little house that you only have to put 10 grand in will yield more than a hundred K investment in an apartment. So that's just one subtle thing that I would tweak. Make it, make it about the yield, not cash flow, because sometimes cash flow can trip you up. Does that make sense? That that does. And can I ask you um, what what is your feeling? You know, we the rates are so good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a little bit of cash, um, and uh, you know, everybody. I think everybody and their brother is looking to buy, and the market is also really hot. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much how much we should be sitting on. And I know it's it's a judgment call, but what's your opinion on I'm how much just... should we be sitting on? We have our money working for us. I am sitting on more cash than I've ever done in 20 years, if that tells you anything. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, I know my market like very few people. I'm in one market, so I don't have to learn all others. I've made 250 offers this year. Again, I'm trying to buy, but I don't do bad deals, right? I teach people to understand what a bad, meaning negative cash flow, average, every city has an average, and then what a good or great is. So my market, let's call average 6% yield. So I'm only looking to produce sevens and eights. That's hard in a market with one month supply. So I'm still being very aggressive or at least not aggressive. I'm being very consistent and I'm not finding anything. I haven't closed on anything since June, I think, but not for lack of trying. But so that said, I have more cash than ever before and I'm willing to wait. I don't want to do a bad deal. I won't do an average deal just to use my cash, right? I also think inventory is the missing link. And again, I don't know the markets you're in, but I would tell you to learn your market. Um, my market, I expect inventory to show up in April and May. Uh, we're one month supply. I've been doing this 20 years. It's never been this low. It can't be this low forever or prices will double. Uh, so inventory will show up. It will show up when the vaccine comes out. People feel good. What Really what we missed in my market is the spring selling season. Nobody upgraded. So next season, lots of people are going to upgrade. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to deploy a lot of capital next year, which means I'm sitting out a lot of capital for nine to 10 months this year. And you just got to be okay doing it. Never do an average deal. Never. And certainly never do a bad deal. Um, I'd much rather keep cash than do an average deal. Only do good and great. And that takes time. You got to learn. That's what most people don't realize is if you're going to, if you're going to research market, you need to be able to tell me what's the average deal for Cleveland or Detroit or Huntsville or Fresno. And once you know average, which takes 30, 60 days, then just do good and great deals. It takes time. I've made 250 offers, nothing happened, but I will wait it out. Eventually they will come. I've been buying for a long time. So it takes, I guess I want to give you permission to sit on cash. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're so, we're so new at this that, um, you know, and we, and we are, we are trying to, to dig deeper. Um, you know, we're, we're specifically uh, more interested in, uh, in the St. Louis and Memphis markets. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've got uh, homes in a couple other cities, but I think we're, we're trying to dig deeper into, into St. Louis and Memphis. Yeah. Um, we are doing some of that learning, but, you know, but it's, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's nowhere near where it needs. To you know, be. what I would tell you to do, again, it's, again, I've never researched, I, well, that's not true. 2008, I did. I, it's really hard to learn two cities at the same time. Right. I don't know what excites you. I mean, maybe you have boots on the ground in both places. So maybe this is like you have your a brother and a sister in both places. Maybe. I don't know. But no. for me, I always think boots on the ground first. Where do I trust the boots on the ground first? 
And then I would spend, I would spend 30 days there because if you look at Memphis and St. Louis at the same time, just naturally, you're going to start mixing things up. And I don't know what Memphis, I'm guessing, I'm guessing Memphis is a little bit more expensive and a lower return than St. Louis, but that's a wild ass guess. Uh, but pretty soon oh, you're you going to be got taking- it. You got it. No, that's, that's, about, that's about right. I mean, we're in, you know, a couple different neighborhoods that we're focusing on. So it's not, you know, I, I don't know the whole, sure. the whole city a hundred percent, but, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's right. Um, yeah. And Memphis seems to be, I mean, it's way, it's, it's hotter, uh, no income tax state, you know, right oh, now. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to move there. But <laughs> yeah. For um, Manhattan, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but we really, we really like our property manager there. Um, okay. I really like him. I've spoken with a couple of contractors. We haven't done any, we haven't done any major projects, but, mm. um, you know, but we feel more confident with, uh, you know, with their abilities. Um, but, but yeah, St. Louis, you're getting, you know, it, the numbers are, are making a little bit more sense and there is more inventory. So. Yeah. Well, that's why, so that's why you got to look at a market because that one statement there to me screams risk. The numbers look better there. But what's the other side, right? Because that's what people, I mean, I'm in California, right? You're in Manhattan, kind of same thing, right? We, live, we, we can't invest where we live. It just doesn't make sense. But I get all these people from California going, oh my God, I can get 12% in some Midwest city. And I'm like, who said it's 12%? My Excel spreadsheet said it's 12%. I'm like, oh my God, you have any idea what the level of risk there, what the unemployment is, are people coming or going? There's just a, there's always another side. And the other thing, again, that uh, about California investors, I'll talk about because I know some of them. Um, when they call me up and say, hey, I found a house or a deal. I found a deal on the market. I go, how long has it been there? They go, 90 days. I go, that's not a deal. Well, how do you know? Well, I know this much. If there's somebody in St. Louis or Memphis that lives there, no way a deal survives 90 days. It's got hair on it somewhere that you don't see from California. Your Google street view is not telling you. Maybe you're one block over from the right street and your, your ARV is wrong because you're over here and not over there. Um, that's why you got to focus on one city first, whether it be Memphis or St. Louis. That'd be my advice, right? Do 45 days here and then 45 days there. I don't think I would try to mix that. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would tell you, if you are in Memphis, I think I've interviewed, um, it's an Instagram page called brick by brick wealth i think uh she's in memphis stay-at-home mom she's built a nice portfolio i think i would check her out um she seems to be very knowledgeable again making connections so yeah so what other, what so the yeah. other thing let, the other thing about going bigger um whatever you learn in single family it is a different ball game five units and above cost structure lending structure um, refinance equ equity. Like you can get into a, 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 re a residential for 20 or 25% down. If you're in a second tier city, you're going to have to put 35% down. Insurance is different. Um, they're, they're, the social media makes apartment investing look sexy today. But I would tell you, given where interest rates are and where capital flows are, for the most part, they're overpriced. You can always find deals off market that might make sense. But deals on market are overpriced. Um, I think, I think again, that's why you got to learn your market. I can only talk about Fresno specifically. Uh, my market apartments are overpriced. I expect there to be some multifamily pain in like 2023. Uh, because again, the debt structure is different. You probably have 30-year fixed rate on your homes. 
right. you can get three, five, seven, 10 year loans on uh, multifamily. That, that's the period. Maybe you have an IO period and you got a refi. And it's just a totally different game that forces refinancing. I did a video probably a month ago with a syndicator for multifamily. And we just did some rough math and we showed how a $120 million building could be worth 60 million like that. Um, so I think there's about to be a lot of multifamily pain. You, you know, learn Memphis, I don't know it. Um, but I think there's two, every time the herd goes one direction, I get very nervous. And I think the herd is still running to multifamily uh, in, lo in large parts of the country. Really? So that's, that's so interesting to me because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, just being in Manhattan, um, you know, there's, there's like nothing but desire to get out of, get out of the apartment and, yeah. uh, and get a house. And, you know, that's what kind of what we're seeing in other, in other places is, you know, people, even if they're in a home, you know, could we live in a bigger home? Could we, you know, can we, can we trade up? And for those who, you know, who do have the ability, um, you know, I think they're, they're trying to do that, um, uh, you know, and, but, and I, I think that's the same thing for, um, for, for low income. If you're in a single family home, mm -hmm. you know, you want to be in a single family home, not in, a, uh, you know, not in an apartment building. Um, so are investors, you're still, you're seeing investors are still running to the, the multifamily. Yeah. So, so everything you've just said is accurate. So congratulations. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what's happening in most of the country. Um, so first and foremost, low income, once they get into a house, they're, they're going to fight tooth and nail to stay there, right? They'll have, they'll have family members move in to share rent or, or mortgage payment. They're not going to lose that for the most part. Uh, but yeah, the people are running away from apartments. Class A, Class B, not so much Class C, Class A and B, um, right? Because if you're in Class A in Manhattan, it's very easy just to cross the river and own something for less than it costs to rent, right? Lots of people are making that choice. Um, but that's, prop, that's exactly why I mean multifamilies in pain today because there's so much debt structure that was put in place, assuming 3% rent increase, 95 or 98% occupancy, uh, you know, no, no um, rent uh, forgiveness, none of these things. Right now, if you own multifamily and you've done debt structure in the last two years, you're not performing, at least in most markets. So that's why I say pain is coming two or three years out because you can probably limp along with reserves, maybe get some you know, raise capital from your investors, but eventually you're going to have to refi. And when you refi and the value is lower, you either come up with a bunch of money or you sell the building. Um, so that's why I expect all of those people leaving apartments is causing multifamily to be reevaluated right now. And it just takes time for the owners to feel pain. So the pain's not today, the pain's 12, 18 months from now. I see. That's helpful. Okay. Yeah. And again, what I see right now, and the reason I'm buying single family today is also what you just said. I believe we're seeing a generational shift. Millennials, right? They're now, some of them are in their 30s now. They're leaving the $4,000 shoebox in San Francisco and Manhattan and owning homes. And they're doing that across the country. I believe what we are going to see is the home ownership rate go up from a average of 67 today to probably 70 over the next two or three years. And at least in many markets, we're not building a new, enough new homes. That's why you saw pending home sales today, right? Released this morning at seven Pacific. Talk about uh, they're up twenty percent year on year. I think the millennials are real. They're they're, you know, they're the biggest generation now. Uh, they're bigger than the baby boomers, and they don't own a lot of homes 
at least compared to other generations. And I think that's going to change. So I'm going to buy as many homes as I can in the next two, three years, i.e. always make sure they cash flow, don't buy alligators. And then I will let appreciation carry my homes. And then when they get too expensive again, just like I did in 2008, I'll sell them or I'll do a 1031 exchange, take all that fake equity and I'll move it into multifamily. It's exactly what Olivia and I did. We went from eight to 80 units in 2008 all via 1031 exchange. So I expect to do that again in 2023, 2024. Amazing. Um, okay, so you so so you recommend uh, kind of sitting on things, learning like learning the markets as much as possible, making making offers when there's uh, you know there's a good deal, not uh, not an average deal, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then just and then, then sitting yeah. on. It a yeah. Bit. So yeah, I would say being comfortable sitting on cash. But ready to deploy it, right? If you find a great deal, deploy it. But but it is okay to sit on. You don't have to have your cash working every second of the day. That is um, that kind of works in a in a rising market where you can keep moving it. We're not there, right? This is a different animal. This is our first pandemic together, mine as well. So just great deals. Um, mm -hmm. Learn a market, focus, and do your re yeah, do your research, and watch it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like you're going to say no, but um, but you know, as far as the low interest rates, like <laughs> uh, feeling pressure, I, I feel some. I feel I feel a real desire to to lock in lock in some of these you know these low interest rates um, while we have them for you know the yeah. I, I know it's not you know it's not not the but the clock is ticking. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I think I think we're going to have thirty year rates under four percent all of twenty twenty one, probably closer to three percent. Yeah, those are great, but locking in low interest rates on a bad deal. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can get up to ten, and if you do it husband and wife together, you can technically get twenty, right? He gets ten, you get ten, depending on how you do it together. That's our that's our plan. Um, you know, and I'll be honest, we're we're also you know we've been looking. Um, we haven't gotten anything because because we just don't see we don't see the right deal for it, but. Um, uh, you know, would like to would like to do some burr um, work. I think I think I'd be very good at that. I grew up around construction, um, and uh, and anyway. But if but yeah, if would you do burr locally? No. Would you do it locally? Would you do burr no, locally? We, or? we would do it remotely. We okay. would do it remotely. Okay. Um, what do you think about that? When are you? Uh, well, the first one's always the hardest. Uh, lots of people try to do burr. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people get caught on the ARV because a purchase money ARV is not the same as a refi ER, ARV. Uh, so lots of people get money stuck. It, it sounds like you would be okay with that. You know, just do round numbers. Let's say you were into hundred K into a property and you only got 85 back. You sound like you'd be okay leaving 15. Some people aren't in that stance. They use other people's money and then they're, they're like stuck. How do I find the extra 15 grand? Uh, so if you can do a burr and you're okay, leaving a little money in, it's, it's a pretty good strategy. Yeah, I mean, we, we're fine with that. Uh, you know, if we could refi the, you know, the 80, up to 85%, that would be, that would be good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just just watch your numbers. Again, uh, it's the same things. You, I mean, you are around construction, right? It's it's the contractor. How do you check and balance? That's that's why I talked about boots on the ground. Um, you, have, you haven't heard me say this. Others on the channel have. I would only do a Burr project where I had somebody on there somebody there that would show up at my funeral if I were to die, right? If, you, if, if the only people in that market where you're doing a bird project are people you pay, they're really not gonna tell you bad news. 
or they're going to tell you the best variant of the bad news. But if your aunt, uncle, college roommate, you know, whatever, they're going to come into you and say, hey, so-and-so stealing, they're smoking crack behind the house or, you know, whatever it is. Um, for me, it would be about who do I trust boots on the ground that's going to tell me bad news fast. And if I didn't have that, I don't think I would sign up to do Burr in another market. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks so much. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, of course. Uh, this, is, this is super helpful. Excellent. So, Lindsay, well, well keep, me in, keep me informed. Let me know how it goes and uh, uh, say hi to your husband. Will do. Okay. Right. Have Thank a good you. one. Thank Bye. you.